Now, the second reading for today is from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, uh, verses 1 to 15, which is on page 608 of the Pew Bibles. There is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to root, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing, a time to search and a time to count as lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What does a worker gain from his struggles? I've seen the task that God has given people to keep them occupied. He's made everything appropriate in its time. He has also put eternity in their hearts, but man cannot discover the work God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and enjoy the good life. It is also the gift of God whenever anyone eats, drinks, and enjoys all his efforts. I know that all God does will last forever. There is nothing adding to it or taking from it. God works so that people will be in awe of him. Whatever is, has already been, and whatever will be, already is. God repeats what has passed. Thanks, Jason. Guess what we're talking about this morning? Time. <laughs> Let's talk about time. Time is a essential uh, part of our life, isn't it? You know, the 24 hours in your day, how are you, you going to spend your time? Now you pull out your iPhone and you, you've got your calendar in front of you. What am I going to do with my time today? Don't you often get to the end of the day and think, how did I spend my time? Or you get to the end of the day and you think, this is crazy. I bought all these time-saving devices. You know, I've got my dishwasher, I've got my microwave, I've got my washing machine, I've got more electronics. They're supposed to save me time, but actually... There is no time to do what I really, really want to do. Time is kind of like a mystery, isn't it? Where does it go to? Where does your time go to? And there's moments in life where, you know, time seems to go really, really fast. That amazing holiday you're having, and before you know it, you're back in Sydney, back at the work. Where does that time go? And other times in life, time just seems to go very very slowly, especially when you're stuck in a job that you really, really hate. Time is this mystery, and we're good at wasting time. You know, the hours that you spend just wasting your time, <laughs> flicking through the channels, nothing to watch, looking at Facebook, searching, searching the internet, or, or just wasting time dreaming and scheming about what you would like to do in the future as if you're really in control of that. Or maybe the hours that you waste thinking about the past 
and regretting something, wishing you could take back time. I think it was Cher who sang, if I could turn back time. If I could turn back time, you know, and regret that thing that I said and do it all, if only. That's the reality. You can't turn back time, can you? Time just keeps on ticking and ticking and ticking and ticking and ticking. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the teacher looks at the life under the sun and the world and says, well, time just keeps on going and going and going, and he's refreshingly real about time. But before we dive into the chapter, let me be very clear. The way that we in the Western world think about time is not necessarily what Ecclesiastes 3 is on about. What we think as time as you know, minutes and hours and days, we've got these watches and we have these appointments as though this is the time. Most of the world think about time as a, as a, as a season or a moment or, or a space where you do things. So I might say, oh, it's dinner time. But that doesn't mean that it's six o'clock in the evening. It, it means this is the space where, where we as a family sit down and we have dinner together. This is the time for dinner. It's breakfast time. It doesn't mean it's like 5.30 a.m. in our house. You know? it, it means this is the space in the day where we actually enjoy breakfast together. That's the concept of time in Ecclesiastes. That space where certain things happen. And the teacher says there are different times in your life, different seasons in your life. Your life consists of different moments and different seasons. There are times when, when, when life just comes together really well and everything is buzzing. You're thinking, yeah, this feels good. There's other times where life just kind of falls apart. There's times when you can't stop smiling. And in seasons where you can't stop weeping. And there's times where, you know, loved ones walk towards you down the aisle and times when they walk away. There's times where you speak and it's right to speak and there's times when it's better to keep your mouth shut. That's the point of this famous poem in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Life is this complex tapestry of different moments and different spaces and different seasons. And it's so diverse, isn't it? First one, there's an occasion for everything. A time for everything. A, a space, a season for every activity under heaven. Your life and my life will have all these different seasons. There's a time to give birth, verse 2, and a time to die. There's a time when I was born. I was there. Don't remember it much. I've seen photos of it. But there's a, a moment in my life where I came into being. I didn't choose when I was born. God chose that. Now, we never choose when we're born, do we? And we never choose when we die. Some of us here will live to a ripe old age, and many will die supposedly early. We just don't know. Every eight seconds in the world, someone dies. Every three seconds, someone is born. And so as we speak today, there are people grieving, and there are people who are rejoicing. And you act appropriately in that time. So if you're 
celebrating a birth, you celebrate. And if you're mourning a death, you mourn. And in between those two dates, it's extraordinary. You know, uh, uh, at, a, at a funeral, you have just these two dates, a birth date and a death date. And, and everything in between is defined by those two dates. And in between those two dates, you've got all these other things, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to get rid of things, and a, and a time to be reconciled. A time to tear down, the time to build. He could be talking about buildings there. Uh, it's pretty crazy. And you, you spend years and years building this structure and you can demolish a building in about, what, 30 seconds flat? Just stick a bomb under it and... But I think he's talking about relationships there. It's a time to, to build up relationships and a time to let them go. You know that friendship that you once had? And it is no longer, it's okay, you know, to, to let that one go. There was a season for that friendship, but it is no more. And then emotionally you go through different seasons. There's a time to weep. I'm very thankful that's in the Bible. It makes you feel normal. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. Isn't that beautiful? I find that really liberating, you know. Uh, both sorrow and joy, both weeping and laughing, they're part of life. And without the one, the other is kind of unrecognizable. If your whole life was all about weeping, or if your whole life was all about rejoicing and dancing, you wouldn't get the rich tapestry. You wouldn't appreciate laughter without those seasons of weeping. Don't you find that? There are seasons in your life where weeping is the right response that's called for. What did Jesus say in the Bible when he heard that his friend Lazarus has died? Jesus wept. That was the right response. We're called to, to, to weep over sad situations in life and weep when we see the destitute and the homeless and weep when there's pain and sadness. There are seasons where you weep. That is the right response. I remember one of those seasons in my life about 12 years ago where for this particular season I just stood in the shower morning after morning just, just weeping. It was right. It was appropriate. But that season's now over and then you've got seasons of dancing or laughter. Is my God gracious that, that, that gift of laughter? It's a beautiful gift, you know. That there's moments, there's seasons where laughter just feels so good and you're not guilty about laughing. Actually, you know, when you've gone through a period of, of weeping, you can kind of feel that guilt. Why, I shouldn't be laughing. It's okay, you know, you've come through that time, you've come through that season and now you're in a new season. So embrace it and enjoy it and laugh and smile. And even dance. I know that's not very Anglican, but it's okay to dance. And I could quote Footloose. That scene, you know. Ecclesiastes assures us that there is a time for every purpose, a time to laugh, and a time to weep, and a time to mourn, and a time to dance. Well, it says in verse 5, there's a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. And we, we don't get that, that image. That image comes from the Old Testament where if you walk past someone else's field, 
if you chuck stones on their field, you're basically saying, I don't belong to you, I don't like you. I'm distancing myself from you. There's a time for that. You, you know, when, when you see injustice, and you can't be part of it. And so you say, no, this, this is a time to distance myself from that. And the time where you gather stones is saying, actually, I forgive you. You're, you're my friend again. We're one again. Let's mend this relationship. It's linked to the second half of verse 5, a time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing. There's seasons where you hog people at a distance and a, a season where you just give them a big hug. A time to search, a time to count as lost, a time to keep, and a time to throw away. It's a good verse for the hoarders. I want to see that documentary, War on Waste. I haven't seen it, but here's a quote. Our waste is growing at double the rate of our population, with 52 megatons generated a year. Australia is ranked the fifth highest for generating the most waste in the world. There's moments where, where you, you move house, and you think, oh, do I keep this, or do I chuck it? And I'm the keeper, and my wife's the chucker. <laughs> and you're wrestling over this thing. There's a, there's a right time to keep stuff, and the right time to just let it go. There's a time to tear, a time to sow, a, a time to be silent, and a time to speak. And there are those times in life where the best thing you can do in the season you're in is to say nothing. You know those moments where you think, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Or you say the wrong thing to somebody. You know, when someone is grieving or mourning, the best thing to do is often to say nothing. Not in those pious platitudes. But there is a time to speak. There's a time to speak up, to speak the truth, or to speak a word. There's a time to love and a time to hate. Yeah, that's right. You know, Jesus hated oppression and he hated injustice. He hated crime. But there's a time to love time for war even, and a time for peace. And the point is that the, the teacher looks at life and says, you know, that your life and my life is this rich tapestry of different seasons and different moments. And here's what's real about it. He's saying that sorrows and hurts and pains and sadness and war and death, all the negative things, they're all part of life. And none of us here in this room are going to escape that. We're not going to escape those seasons of despair and pain. But if you're in that season, behave appropriately. And if you're in the season of delighting and laughing and dancing and embracing, enjoy it and behave appropriately. That's what he's saying, that life is, is like a tapestry, different seasons, different moments, different events, but taken together, they weave this beautiful thing that we call life. And what he's saying there is that you've got to know the time that you're in, you've got to understand the season that you're in, and understand, understand the season that somebody else is in as you relate to them. 
Get your timing right. You know, there's moments where it's, it, it's just beautiful. When that person comes to you and they pour out your heart to you and you're thinking, oh, what do I do here? I could offer some words of wisdom. I could just sit in silence or I could just hug them. <laughs> and you give them that hug and you think, yeah, that was right. That, that, that was the right thing to do. Or those seasons of life where you meet somebody and they are really, really mourning. And you think, yeah, I've, I've done the right thing there. You know, I, I've cared for them. I've loved them. I've listened to them well. And sometimes it's really beautiful when you get your timing right. But the flip side is awful, isn't it? When you fail to phone the person who was desperate to hear your voice. When you didn't keep your mouth shut when you should have done that. Now here's the frustrations of this teacher. He says life is all these different moments, all these different seasons, all these different times, but we're not in charge. God controls our times. You ever look back at your life and you go, I didn't expect to be in this season right now. If I'd planned my life, I would never have expected to be here right now. That's the liberating thing about Ecclesiastes. There's a God behind all our seasons. Verse 11 is a key verse for this chapter. God, he has made everything appropriate. Or the footnote says beautiful. Everything appropriate in its time. I think appropriate is a good word. He's saying that God is behind everything. God has planned all these different times and seasons for your life. God has put everything where it's supposed to be for a reason and for a purpose. And I think that's a tension, isn't it? Because you may be here this morning in this time or this season of your life that you would never have chosen. You're thinking, why, God? Why did that happen? Why am I here? Why am I feeling like this? And we've got to believe that God controls all our times. The biblical word there is sovereign, that God is sovereign over all these things. If I was speaking to Calvinists at this point, I, I talk about the, the two hands of God, you know. Active hand where God makes things, everything happen, and the passive hand where he allows things to happen. And the Calvinists would just say, well, just you know, suck it up, whatever happens, accept it. Just get on with it. That's not quite right, is it? If I was talking to the Pentecostals, they talk about you know, the, the flow of God and discerning God's, what God's doing in life and just go with the flow. And, and that's not quite right either. It's a mixture of those two, isn't it? That you believe that God is behind everything and in control of everything and he's placed you here. So, so work out how you're going to keep living and enjoying life now with God in the pain, in the moment. God is in control of every season of your life. And I love Isaiah 46. He says this. Remember what happened long ago, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and no one is like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done, saying, my plan will take place. 
and I will do all my will. Now, do you believe that, that God sits above everything and he sees our past, our present, and our future, and he plans every moment of our life? Every day is ordained for us. If we do that, it's so liberating because we say, I would never have chosen this season of life. I don't like it, but God is here in it, and he will not let me go. It's so liberating when you're making decisions about life. Now, I, I can be, I am, <laughs> quite indecisive. You know, I, I got this future, I'm thinking I could do this, I could do this, I could do this, and I, I do these spreadsheets, and I'm kind of trying to work out what is the best thing to do, and I can agonize, I have sleepless nights over it, as if I am really in charge of my future. It's okay if you make a decision, you think, and you look back and go, oh, that wasn't the best decision. Okay, God was still in control of that. And yet so often we, we, we conduct our lives as though we really are in charge of our seasons. Like the reading from James chapter 4. Listen, you who say today and tomorrow we'll go to this city and we'll spend a year there and we'll do business and make money. You know, we've got our today planned and our tomorrow planned and our next year planned and we know exactly what our life's going to happen. He says, what is your life? You're a mist, you're here one day, you're gone the next. Instead, we should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Now, that's an interesting phrase. If the Lord wills, we will live. He's saying that every day is in God's hand. Your, your breath tomorrow, your life tomorrow is in God's hands. And if you believe that, if you live like that, it's so liberating. It, it doesn't mean that we don't plan. Of course we plan, but we plan with this humility to say that uh, I'm enjoying this season, but, and I'd love this season to continue, but it might not. And if it doesn't, I, I trust that God's in control of that. And it's liberating because, you know, if I had wrote my life plan, I really don't think I would have put in those times and those seasons of weeping and mourning and pain. I wouldn't have. But in God's wisdom, he took me through those seasons. And, and through those seasons, he, he grew me. He kept me. He changed me. That's the beautiful work of the Spirit of God, isn't it? Remember the, the poem by Corrie Ten Boom called The Master's Weaver's Plan? Actually, it's not her poem. She was the one who, who quoted it most. Ma the Master's Weaver's Plan. I'll just read it. My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors he weaveth steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttle cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him.
And the teacher would say, Amen. Now leave your life in God's hands. Trust him even, even in these seasons what you wouldn't have chosen. So God is in control of the times. And God has put eternity in our hearts. That's the second half of verse 11. God has also put eternity in the hearts of men and women. But we cannot discover the, the work God has done from the beginning to the end. He created us as these, these eternal beings with this God-shaped hole in our heart to say, there must be more to life than this. It's that, that, that question that we say, you know, will this season ever end? Yes, it will. Why am I spending this time doing this? Because God is preparing you for eternity. Uh, in this innate sense that, that we're not just created for this world and this world is, is going to end. Remember that interview that I quoted a few weeks ago with the, the student who was interviewed like, what's he going to do with his life? You know, I'll, I'll get my degree and what next? Oh, I'll travel the world in a gap year and then what next? I'll get married and then what next? And I have kids and what next? I'll make lots of money and I'll retire and, and what next? Oh, well, I get old and get put to a nursing home. And what next? And I die. And what next? And we're built as human beings, created with this innate sense that there is eternity, there is another life beyond this world. And that's why you've got to understand that these times that you are in, they are, they are so finite they're so finite compared to eternity. And even when you're stuck in this time of, of pain or sadness, it may feel like a long time, but compared to eternity, it's really not. And when you understand that we are created as eternal beings, it changes your, your mindset. Rather than the, the frustration of this world, you say, well, God's an eternal God and God is keeping me and he's preparing me for eternity. So how can I make the most of this time? Remember the, the man who spent his whole life writing that one word, eternity, on the streets? Arthur Stace. Walked into a church in the enemies and said, I, I, I wish I could write that word, eternity, all over Sydney. He took it literally and just got a piece of chalk and started to write eternity. But it's a good word to have as your backdrop for your season that you're in. Whatever your season you're in, whether it's, it's building or tearing down, whether it's grieving or whether it's dancing, put that word eternity there and it does change your perspective. So, there's a different season for everything. God's in control of them all. We're talking about eternity. So what's the answer? Surprising answer from Ecclesiastes. Here it is. Live in enjoyment now, live in the moment now, and live in awe of God. That's what the, the, the teacher says, enjoy life now. It's Benjamin Franklin who said, do you love life? Well, don't squander your time. It's the stuff life is made of. He says, yes, you know, even the most stressful moments, live in that moment. Live for today, enjoy your today. Verse 12, I know there's nothing better than to, in, to rejoice and enjoy the good life. It's also the gift of God whenever anyone eats and drinks and enjoys all his efforts. 
if you live as though God is in control here and it is an eternity, whatever season you're in, live in that moment. Not live for the moment. I'm not saying be hedonistic. I'm saying live in the moment. If you're in a season of dancing and delighting, enjoy it and give thanks to God for it. If you're in a season of sickness or trial, live in that moment. I think it was John Piper who said, don't waste your cancer. He's saying, no, if you are diagnosed with cancer, that's the moment that you're in. And don't just spend your whole life sort of thinking, oh, when I get better, I will do this. In the moment, you know, pray for healing. Uh, ask God to, to sustain you. But, but don't waste that moment. That's the season that God's put you in. We had this conference yesterday called Living Single. And that's the advice of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If, if, if this is the moment that you are in, if this is the season that you're in called singleness, whether it's because you've never married or because you've been divorced or because you are widowed, if this is the season that you're in, live in the moment and enjoy it with all its struggles. But don't always spend your whole life wishing that you were somewhere else. Uh, my wife Rachel talks about the season when her first husband Ben was dying. And she said that she would never, ever, ever choose to live that season <laughs> of, of actually watching your husband die. But when she's out of that season, she say, I'm actually thankful that I went through that season because of the depth of intimacy with God that she grew through that season. Does that make any sense? In the season that you're in, you know, trust God in it Live in it. Don't always think that you could get out of it. And then live in awe of God. See verse, verse 14. I know that all God does will last forever. You've got to believe that. All the things that we do, they're just going to be temporary, but God's work is eternal. There's no adding to it or taking from it. God works so that people will be in awe of him. God works, puts you in a season so you might kneel before him and say, God, you are so big. Or you're on your knees with tears going, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. And it's those moments where you feel so small that God feels so big. It's that Grand Canyon moment where you, you stand there and you're thinking, well, I'm just tiny. You get that perspective right. When you're in the moment, when you're in the season, you're often so blinkered that all you can see is yourself and the season and the moment. But to lift your eyes upwards and say, God, you are God and you are sovereign and you are good even though I'm struggling with that at the moment. And I depend on you and I trust you and I honor you and I serve you. And the word for all is the word I fear you, I revere you. Let me read from this devotional book, Experiencing God Day by Day. In God's perfect design for our lives, He has planned for times of fruitfulness and activity. He also built in times of quiet and rest. There'll be times when he asks you to remain faithful doing the same thing day after day after day. And times of excitement and new beginnings. And by God's grace, we'll enjoy seasons of harvesting the fruit of our faithfulness. And by God's grace, we will overcome the cold winters of heartache and grief. 
Without winter, there will be no spring. Just as it is in the seasons of nature, there are seasons in our lives. And they all work together to bring about God's perfect will for each one of us. So that we might stand in awe of him. Remember when Jesus walked on the earth and part of his Sermon on the Mount, he said, you know, why do you worry? Why do you live your life worrying about tomorrow? <laughs> look, look at the birds of the air. Great example. Look at the birds of the air. They, they, they don't stress. But your heavenly Father feeds them. Your heavenly Father, you are a child of God. They are not. They're just a bird. But you're a, hev- you're a child of God. He said, oh, you of little faith, are you, not worth, are you not worth much more than that? Are you so, you're so valuable to God, he said, I think. I want to remind you this morning that you are valuable to God. God sees you of great worth. And you know that because he sent his son into the world to, to die for you, to love you, to cherish you, to say, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine. He does love you. You are of great worth. So whatever season that you are in, live your life in awe of him and dependence on him. I find that liberating. Liberates me from from my indecision. It liberates me from my over-research. It liberates me from my control freak tendencies. Say, God, you are God and I am not. So whatever season I'm in, whatever time I'm in, may may I live my life in awe of you. Let me pray. Father, we want to thank you that you bring different seasons into our lives, the painful and the pleasant, the burdensome and the beautiful. Father, for those in this room this morning who are going through those painful times, Father, I plead with you for your comfort, for your protection, for your presence. And for those of us who are going through the pleasant times, Father, may may we stand in awe of you and recognize that you are the good provider of all things. And Father, please remind each one of us here that we are eternal beings. We're heading for a glorious future where there is no suffering and there is no pain. Uh, Keep us living our lives in the moment in awe of you.